and be like, hey, do you need to buy plants or mulch or anything? Just wondering, is that going keep me company? <laughs> Welcome to Wait Long by the River. We have a wonderful guest for you this evening or this morning. Uh, for those of you who died in the 1980s and are listening to this from heaven, this endless summer. Jess Kelly has this crazy blend of sculpture and painting and embroidery and engraving and carving and fruit arrangement. Uh, she talks all sorts about finding the perfect pear branch in this interview. Uh, she's always looking for reflections of human experience that you find in the natural world. So we touch on all sorts of cool stuff like cicadas, uh, Rube Goldberg machines, the creation of art as performance art, and uh, even the, the light refracting properties of honey. Uh, so this is a good one. If you like what you hear, follow us on Facebook, tweet your clever quips our way at Long by the River uh, on Twitter, and if you're in Melbourne, come to our live shows first Wednesday of every month at Sun Velvet Morning in Clifton Hill. Here's Jess. So, I always try and come up with a new thing to say at the beginning of each one. Mm-hmm. And this one I think will be, welcome to Wait Long by the River, the podcast where, yeah, with a bit of a run up, we could definitely make that conceptual leap. It's not that far. And with a good enough segue, uh, we could just, we could totally make it. And if we don't, what's the worst that'll happen? We'll plunge between two buildings because it's a metaphor. It's not that bad. Uh, <laughs> that was a bit of a stretch, but that ties in with the fact that it was talking about doing things that are a bit of a stretch. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so it's matter. Right. Um, today on the show, I have a really close friend, which makes it extra double fun. Um, and she got me my first job when I came to Melbourne. So, like, I guess, like, I'm repaying some enormous favor or something now, but that's not how I thought about it until just then when I was thinking about how to introduce her. Please welcome into the Gold Street Studios, along with Hemingway, who is rubbing against my leg, Jess Kelly. Hi. Hello. Um, um, this is my first podcast, so ever. we are exchanging. I gave you your first job and you gave me my first podcast. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Uh, do you mean first podcast you've ever been on or first podcast experience of any kind? Well, the first one that I've I've been on. Yeah. Do you listen yeah. to them? Yeah, from time to time. I don't yeah, have cool. like a... A one that I listen to all the time. Mm. I think it's normally like if someone goes listen to this episode or mm-hmm. like, and <laughs> <laughs> anyways, just making sure that she's part of the, the show this time. Yeah, you're not like an enthusiast who has like a favorite show and used to have a favorite show and then dropped it and then because people talk about no. them like relationships sometimes. No, yeah, and like heaps of people I know listen to. Um, Dan Savage's podcast religiously oh, yeah, and talk cool. about it. And like that's a cool podcast. But I think I I don't know, I, I don't really follow anything religiously. I tend to forget to do things. Mm-hmm. And and um You have stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> well everyone does. But I think yeah. it's like I like coming to things when there's um like a specific thing in it or like a specific episode mm-hmm. or like I don't watch Q and A every week, but if it's like I like it when I do an inside, I like it when I do, but it's not a thing that I pursue yeah so like right now um big shout out to jess's parents who maybe haven't listened to a podcast before (laughs) and this this is like their first time so that's cool it's like a radio show but it's at someone's house and it doesn't go on the radio which is that's how i like to describe it to my parents actually i describe it to my parents by saying it's like there's like two types there's am and fm 
and the FM ones are like super hot produced and they're on some American TV thing. And then the AM ones are like this one where it's like a couple of people who seem like they seem like nice people that you get along with and they're talking to each other. Yeah. And that yeah. that's what AM radio is like a lot of the time. Right? Yeah. So you put it on when you're cooking and then you're like, oh, that Chris Ferguson. <laughs> oh, he's a delightful chap. Yeah. yeah. Or driving. Mm-hmm. Driving with the voices. Like, actually, I don't drive, but I go, you know, like when I'm with someone else in the car mm-hmm. and someone else is driving. Do you mean you don't have a license? Um, I have my L's mm-hmm. and I've had them for like 15 years, maybe more. On like they've expired a few times and I've re got them. I hate driving. I hate mm. driving so much and I wish I loved it. I feel like it's un Australian to not love driving. Yeah, but you um, don't own a house either, so. <laughs> um, but um, I, I'm really scared that I'll kill someone. Oh, right. Yeah, no, <laughs> I can see how that weighs on you. I mean, I worry about that just day to day anyway. But see, I love driving, mm. but I've had my L's for 10 years <clears throat> and, uh, and have not got them. They've never expired. I, I always renew them at the last second, mm. which usually involves a cross-border, like I have to race to New South Wales. <laughs> like I lived in the yeah. SCT for seven years and I didn't change over to New South Wales, from New South Wales. I still go to Queen Bien or Well, I've had, I've had my L's in New South Wales and the ACT and in Victoria. Ooh, so. you're collecting. Go to yeah. WA. Oh, Northern Territory. Apparently you can get your license there. Super easy. In, in introducing what you actually do, I really wanted to read your thing. So... <laughs> Uh, Jess Kelly, before you introduce yourself, I'm going to, the karma of you having written this thing, probably at like four in the morning, right the night before you needed to print it. Um, yeah. Well, actually the, the gallery printed it and they were like, we need an image and like a, just, just blurb of your work. Mm-hmm. And they didn't point out the spelling mistake. They just printed it. Oh, well, let's see if, let's see, <laughs> let's see if our listeners can get it at home. Uh, this is from the invitation to Still Life by Jess Kelly. Is that how you pronounce the comma? How would you say it? Um, no, I think that was good. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and also it's kind of maybe like meant to be a little bit, um, yeah, I don't know if pragmatic is the word, but it's like, because still life is a, is a type of art. Yeah. But then it's also like um, the, the work itself and the exhibition mm-hmm. is... Um, they're all kind of reflections on really tiny and specific and very personal elements of being alive mm-hmm. and, and of having life. So, um, and I think they're optimistic pieces in, in a time. I guess I was probably a little bit uh, depressed or like down on world mm-hmm. really so <laughs> um, so you created some optimism yeah so i think when i was trying to because i when i was invited to do this show and i didn't really know what i was going to make and all of my ideas were kind of um fairly unhappy and not not um personally depressed unhappy but kind of state of the world and unhappy and so i was feeling really heavy about it and then um i guess i had like this some something happened and i had a shift and it's like, well, you know, there is not even a silver lining. Like there, there are there are gems in everything, in every day, and in being mm. alive. And there's a lot of gifts in in life. And yeah. so that's sort of what they're little celebrations or touchstones of what is good. 
Cool. So rather than like a silver lining on every cloud, there's a gem. There's gems <laughs> studded in every cloud yes. that have yet to. Yeah. So it's more like awesome. still life. Yeah. Still, still like <laughs> still, life. Still. Hey, yeah. Um, so still life is a collection of small and playful sculptures that draw together found objects, organic materials, glass and light to reflect upon the experiential nature of having body with which to be alive. Which I just think is this charming, like, um, $2 store, uh, like, awesome little treasure that you find kind of a uh, spelling mistake, like something that's obviously been <laughs> translated through five different languages as it went from country to country. Mm. Just <clears throat> having body. I mean, I think it's cool. Yeah, I, I think as far as spelling mistakes go, <laughs> it's not even a spelling mistake. I didn't misspell it. I just, no, just didn't spell it. it. But my, my computer is quite old mm-hmm. and um, keys... A fairly temperamental. I see. So at the moment, particularly T H. <laughs> oh no, just A. 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 Oh, it's so just an a. at the moment, the backspace key doesn't mm-hmm. really work, and the A key and the J key. So it's like an old typewriter in that you can't. You've got to actually be thinking about what you're writing as you type, yeah. Because it's hard to. And you've just got to look up and go. There's a lot of red lines. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let the computer deal with it. Yeah, but yep. J and A are fairly difficult for me to mm. not have. Yeah, I mean, look at me. Yeah. I have several Z- A's and yeah. at least one J in my name. Well, my name's you're Essex. A- oh, yeah. <laughs> but Kelly's fine. Yeah, Kelly's fine. Yeah, but you can't even go J. Kelly. Mm-mm. Do you have a middle name? No. Oof. That's a huge oversight in your parents' part. They should have mm. given you a middle name that had all, only letters that weren't in your other two names. They should have. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think both of my parents hated their own middle names. And so instead of so they took it us, out on you. Well, no. Instead of giving us, and I think all of their friends, everyone hated their middle name, mm-hmm. and so they were like, "Let's just give our kids one good name." Yeah, awesome. And it is a good name. Yeah, it's, it's one of the, it's a two namer. Like you're always just Kelly whenever we bring you up. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I've got two brothers. We've all just got one name each. Mm-hmm. Plus Kelly. Yeah. Good names. Yeah, they're great names. What are your siblings like? Really nice. Like are they're- they? Are they around? Like, do you see um, much of them? Well, I've got so I've got two older brothers. One of them lives up on the north coast where mm-hmm. we grew up. He's my eldest brother. A bit of a hippie because that's a hippie yeah. area. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, and uh, then my other brother lives in New York. Oh, cool. And yeah, he moved there like a year and a half ago. And so you visited him la- end of last year or something? Yeah, beginning this year. Um, no, so I yes, yes, no. Um, <laughs> um, he got married. Uh, last cool. May, mm-hmm. and so like we all went over there, and that was really lovely. And he's married to this beautiful girl, lady, mm-hmm. lady, <laughs> lady. Well, now she's a lady because she's yeah, she's a ring, yeah. So. Then uh, this year, the beginning of this year, I went to visit them again in the dead of winter. Mm-hmm. It was it was good, tiring but good. Yeah, I've heard that if you go to New York and you're not exhausted by the end of it, you didn't do it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think maybe, but it was also, it's quite homey in a way because I've got Cause like, family. I've got family there yeah. and um, it's so nice having family and just mm-hmm. kind of having time and it's a really, it's a great walking around city. And Is it, do you find it inspirational? Like, do you get, do you get motivation out of it? I don't know. 
What do you mean? I don't know. Like, well, I mean, maybe you, maybe your inspiration is a bit more domestic. Maybe you find it at home, or maybe when you're in New York and you walk everywhere and there's just art and weird idiosyncrasies and strange people everywhere that gets you. Or, I guess if you're biologically inclined, and as we'll talk about, like you, you incorporate a lot of nature into your art. Mm. Maybe New York is the least inspiring place in the world because there's none. Um, no, that's not true. Like, except for Central Park, which is. But mwah. no, there's parks everywhere. Like. Like the High Line is amazing. Yeah, that's a cool and, idea. Uh, look, I don't think that I was inspired by New York yet, but mm. I'm like my inspiration is slow burn. My ideas take so long to be realised and it'll be like I'll have an idea and I'll like do a tiny sketch or like write something down mm-hmm. and then it'll just be there and then like a year later I'll do something else with it and then it'll just sit there and then like it can take years for an idea to bubble to the the surface like Mm -hmm. from the inspiration point yeah and then even longer to to be made so maybe maybe New York has really inspired me but I don't know yet it's a bit like a cicada where it's underground for seven years and you're sort of aware of it and then when it comes out bam it all goes or is it does it slowly accrete over time, like a maybe like a eucalypt, <laughs> which becomes a bush and then it becomes a tree and then it maybe maybe a little bit of both. Mm, cicada eucalypt. A, a eucalypt. Yep. No, probably more cicada, because the cicada is developing underground. We just don't see it. That's right. It's subconscious because you your art, from what I understand. Correct me if I'm wrong. The way you do it is pretty time consuming. Yeah. I mean, the last the last exhibition that I went to, it's not the current one, was uh, enormous trees in various states of development, or the one tree progressing. Mm. Uh, but it was all done by hand. Cut, was it cut out with a, with a knife? Yeah, yeah. It was... Um, and they're big. They're big trees. Tree-sized. Yeah. Like as big as a room. They were, yeah, two and a half metres. <laughs> so of course, you know big. every centimetre. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't describe very, it as like 25,000 centimetres or millimetres. Well, they, they, they vary. But yeah, they yeah. Were, the, the top of the wall was two and a half metres and that was the one that went higher than the wall. So that was a little bit taller. Yeah. And so how, I mean, that looked like it took forever. Fucking forever. <laughs> like? Like, um, I, I think I made that work in about um, three months or two two and a half months, mm-hmm. but it was like I didn't have any friends at that time. I mean, I had lots of friends, <laughs> but I I, that I neglected all of my friends. Yeah, you disappeared from the world. Yeah, I basically just sat in my room and drank wine and <laughs> ate a lot of chocolate and went through a lot of Stanley knives. Oh, really? Did you wear them out? Yeah, pretty quickly because it's cool. like to get a clean cut, you've got to use a really sharp blade. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it goes, like if it's blunt, it tears the paper. That's no good. Especially um, if you're almost all the way through. Mm, and then- but it's all, I mean, with that work, it was okay because it, like it's an organic form. It, didn't, it wasn't about having really straight lines or mm-hmm. uniform thickness at any point. Um, it was intersecting twigs and branches mm, and leaves. and Yeah, so was it the same with this, with um, still life? Well, with, after uh, the exhibition last year, which was great, and I was I was really really happy with it. But it, it was ridiculous how much time and um, this the scale of it, like not having a car 
and then oh, having yeah. to like <laughs> yeah it comes back to like, bite us once again yeah, yeah so um uh it was it was difficult to install and you know i was at that point i was, when i was making it i didn't have a studio i was mm-hmm. um I just had my bedroom. So it was like everything I owned was kind of shoved to the sides of my room. And as the trees were being made, they were like I was pinning them to the walls and then I had like layers of paper over that and then the next one's on top. So it was like oh this God. thick strata of paper and nail holes in my rental. <laughs> <laughs> but I fixed it before I moved out. Oh, yeah. Um. So the just the the logistics of that was quite exhausting as well. And so then I made this like promise. I was like, right, the next exhibition I have, is going to be all like tiny things. It's going to be really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, this work, it's definitely smaller, um, but it's kind of not less complicated. And in, like this install took me twice as long as the last install. What? Really? So, yeah. Just because it's, there's lots of parts mm-hmm. and lots of, you know, it's all delicate and, you know, I, I made all the plinths so they're kind of spindly and... Spindly plinths. Splind, spindly plinths. Yeah, that's a lovely... That's why I see why you did it. <laughs> um, well, yeah, because all of this work has light in it so there's wiring that needed to be like... Tom did mm-hmm. the wiring for me. I was about to say, you hand it handy with a soldering iron. Yeah, yeah, he, um, he was the hero but then... At the install, like hiding the wires and mm-hmm. you know, hanging the pear branch at the perfect angle, and you know all all of these like things that were like couldn't be prepared before I was in the gallery. Like it mm. just everything had to fit together. So I took two days to install, and the other one took less than a day. Do you <laughs> do you think that's a bit that's uh, underappreciated by non-artists? Like, I, as an as a person who doesn't make visual art, mm. I always think of all the work as being in the conceptual stage and and the iterative stage, like making the art. And then when you go to the gallery, you just stick it on the wall. Mm. But to you, you spent. I mean, you spent two days in installation, right? Mm. How long did you spend making the artwork? <laughs> um, two. Months, but a lot of a lot of that is thinking, or you know, like starting something and doing part of it, and then just kind of leaving it where I walk past it every day and look at it, or like mm-hmm. putting a pear in a jar and seeing seeing what that looks like <laughs> over a couple of days. Several pears, a pack and pear, and a grand. Well, yeah, there yeah. was there was various pears. What 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 uh what do you call it? A cultivar, a breed, a. Uh- I ended up I ended up using the Corella pear. Corella, why? Because mm. of the, the mandolin. Color, I love the no, just the coloring is really beautiful. They're, mm-hmm. they're like a golden green and they have like a rosy blush. Oh yeah. They're just and they're really sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but different different parts of this show is um, it's not just one like the last show was mostly paper. Mm-hmm. This show um, every every sculpture has glass. In it is probably the central piece, mm-hmm. but then there's other things as well, like there's string and there's snail shells and there's honey and there's walnuts and there's paper mm-hmm. and there's, so there's all these different things that not not in every single piece, but each mm-hmm. has other pieces in it. One of like uh, there's one piece that's um, about 
the experience of sound. And um, it's like a, a uh, what's that Rube Goldberg machine? Yeah, Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. The, the crazy, lengthy, complicated, probably best known from the Guinness beer ads where it was how Guinness beer is made, a shot inside the factory, and there were thousands of moving parts and spinning things and boots kicking a guy and the guy is lifting a thing. And yeah. Or maybe people would know it from the um, the mousetrap game that you used to see advertised on TV. It was called Mousetrap and you built this elaborate long thing for a marble to go down. Mm-hmm. It's like a marble run. Yeah. Yeah, except you'd have a marble run and it hit dominoes and the dominoes would knock a thing over and then the thing would kick the other thing. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. So, so this sculpture is like that. Cool. Probably not that many pieces, but it's um, it starts with on the spindly plinth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> spindly plinth. Spindly plinth. Mm-hmm. Um, a little music, windy music box. Like oh, beautiful. Tingly, tingly. Mm-hmm. And then um, suspended over it with a tiny little spotlight in it so it shines on the music box is a tin can mm-hmm. with a piece of string coming out of it. And the string goes up and around the corner and along, and then it it goes into a glass vessel that has been engraved on one side with an ear, the outside yeah. of an ear, mm-hmm. and then the other side, the string goes through that and through some snail shells, mm. which are like... Just like the cochlea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's... Um, part of what I like to do is see parallels between, you know, us either either us physically and the world or or man-made environment natural environment mm-hmm. and not 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 see everything as separate not see nature and man-made as polar opposites but actually part of the same world and the same ecology and where we are part of the ecology drawing those parallels between who we are and what we are and what's going yeah. on in the rest of the world and the the shapes that fit and build everything mm-hmm. um so then it goes through the ear and through the snails and and then you know kind of at the drawing stage I was like then what happens what <laughs> so I didn't I didn't know how to finish it like what the conclusion was and and then um I you know I had this idea that it would be like a I wanted to to represent the feeling of of hearing and um so you know I mean I, I don't know what happens in the brain really mm-hmm. but there's a, a luminous when you hear something wonderful or when you hear that amazing music or so um, I ended up uh, I had this idea for em- embroidering kind of like a echoing that same spiral and the sense of like explosion or of of um, like a sound wave or like when you drop something in water and it mm. makes that ripple so I was embroidering that um, in gold thread on like a big piece of black material mm-hmm. and I imagine that that would take me you know a couple of days a few days yep um and that took me three weeks wow <laughs> like, and just three weeks of hours every day like I'd go to work and I'd come home and I would just embroider this golden you, spiral <laughs> do you get in, do you get in that mindset on the way home are you in the tram thinking when I get home I'm gonna pour a glass of wine and just start embroidering or do you yeah, is it a break and then no it's like well it, it, because there was definite time constraints and because this was happening it was taking so much longer than I thought it would everything else was getting pushed back so it was like the the time to finish the other work was getting smaller and this 
and and it was also like it, what the size that I first decided to make it that took days and days and days, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, yeah, it's finished. And then I was looking at it and I'm like, mm, it's not really big enough. Oh, no. <laughs> so, at least you know how long it takes so now. Then, so, yeah, but, yeah. so then I, I, I was like, it needs to be bigger. So I doubled it in size. Um, and, and now it's really nice. I, it's, it's, it's lovely. I, I think it's one of the nicest parts. The sculpture finishes really nicely by mm. going into that. But it also means, like, I'm really bad at planning and time management because I, I d- don't repeat things very often. Ah, uh, so or, you don't have a little thing in your mind saying, cool, so next time I embroider an enormous gold representation of a sound wave at the end of a Rube Goldberg machine, it will take me two weeks. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, maybe, actually, I probably will do more of gold embroidering because I really like it. <laughs> when you say gold embroidering, do you mean gold thread? Is that gold? I don't think it's real gold. Because you can buy it from Lincraft for a few dollars. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> but it yeah. is metallic. It's the real and um, it's really shiny. It's really hard to photograph because it's so reflective. Oh yeah, so cool. Was, like, like the opposite of our cat, which is super hard to photograph, but that's because she is a black hole. Light. Yep. Yeah. How do you? Because you have a day job. I do. As we all do mm. in the creative world. Uh, how do you manage such time-consuming work? With the time-consuming work that you do to make a living? <laughs> um, well, I only work my day job three days a week. Oh, that's fantastic. And I did very little else in the last few weeks apart from go straight home and embroider and move pears around. And <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to the pears. Cause <laughs> um, um, and very little sleep. Yep. I'm really tired. Really? So do you do you, do you put off sleep? Uh, do you resist sleep or does the work just put sleep back on the back burner and suddenly it's four in the morning? Um, a bit of both. I think I'm the most alert and most sharpest mental acuity and most kind of productive mm-hmm. in those wee hours, like from... Mm-hmm. 11.30 to 3 o'clock in the morning is, is what when I'm like making wow, cool. and thinking. Um, but then it's 7 o'clock in the morning when the alarm clock goes off. It's not so Regardless. great. <laughs> mm. um, so in the nighttime it was easy to just kind of keep working, but it, in the morning it was not so good. It hurt, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And did that... Did that time, did those time constraints show, do you think, in the end? Do you feel like you looking at it can think, oh, yeah, that's that looks hasty or that looks like, or even just a feeling of speed come through? No. No, I think, um, um, I think everything is quite well resolved. Um, there are only four pieces in the show. It's not a really big show. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you exhibiting with other people? In the the gallery has four exhibition spaces, and there's mm-hmm. an exhibition in each of them at the moment. So, cool. um, there's three solo shows and one duo show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, I'm sharing the gallery, but each each space is quite separate. Mm. So the work does stand alone, and. It's, it's actually, there's no speed or haste in the room at all. It's very still and it's quite dark. Oh, cool. Yeah. So do you, I mean, it's a bit off to the side. 
Do they talk to you about who's going to be in the other rooms? Do you know what's going on in the greater gallery? No. So that's a huge no. surprise when you get in. You start moving in and you're like, oh, there's a, a nude art exhibition. Or, yeah, Oh, yeah. this place is full of lava. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. I've never been in the lava exhibition, mm-hmm. um, but I think there was lava last month. Genuinely? <laughs> <laughs> if only. I, I just know. saw a musical act called Magma Lava on Friday who, who was ridiculously good, and so I guess that was just in my mind. But for a yeah. second, I believed. <laughs> but I think actually one thing that Brunswick Arts does very well is curate complimentary exhibitions. So it's quite a talent. It is, and it's because it's an artist-run space, they, and mm-hmm. so it's always different people exhibiting there. Um, and I've had a relationship with them for three or four years, and it's I've always, I mean, there's there's hit and miss, but generally it's quite complimentary shows, and they're not the same, but they work mm. well together. Isn't it nice to be asked back? Yeah, that's cool. That must feel good the first time, you know. Just on a side note, when you're an artist and you mm. exhibit somewhere and then they give you a shout and they're like, hey, we want to get you in. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah it is yeah. nice. And um, that was this, that yeah, that was this year's their 10th birthday. And so they were like, um, I got this really lovely email from one of the board saying, we're inviting our favorite artists from the last 10 years. Aww. That's the best. <laughs> it was really, it was really flattering and it was really lovely being asked yeah. and being um, selected or Mm. You know, and being acknowledged in that way was really lovely. And being on their mind, you know, there was, mm. a, there was a group of talented artists who sat together around a table and said, this is our biggest celebration in the history of the gallery. We need to bring to mind the four artists that we really wish would exhibit for this celebration. And you're on the list. That's, yeah. That's the best. Yeah, it was really nice. Oh. Yeah. Where is it? It's on Little uh, Breeze. Little Breeze. Breeze. I think Little Breeze Street. It's With off. Yes, it's off Hope Street, which is off Sydney Road. Cool. So it's like Sydney Hope Breeze. It's kind of <laughs> Little Breeze. Little Breeze. Is there a breeze? There's Breeze. Oh, I went and to Little a, Breeze is the alleyway. There's a there's an awesome warehouse on Breeze Street that does crazy like um, when I went there it was a celebration of um, of nudity. <laughs> and so they had like theater performances in which people were Celebrating different aspects of their nudity and then there was a, like a little chill out bar where everyone was naked and you were just drinking beer and hanging out and being naked. And were the bar people awesome. naked? Um, well, because it's a warehouse, the bar people would just sort of like a guy would walk up and you'd, you'd be like, hey, I want a beer. And the guy would be like, oh, yeah, um, look, Rudy's not here, but <laughs> uh, I think beers are like four, $4. And I'd be like, I have three fifty, And they'd say, that's cool. Cool. Yeah, next thing you know, I had a beer and yeah. The problem with naked events is that there's always, it's never just, hey, do you like being naked? Everybody else is naked. Mm. Like there's naked events where people are like, hey, everybody's naked, but there's sort of a lecherous vibe. Or, mm. hey, it's a naked event, but it's in the middle of the day in a public place and they're protesting. Or like the naked bike ride is awesome because everyone's involved, every man and his dog and it's families and you can get all painted up and whatever. Have you ever seen the naked bike ride? Yeah, I... I always think that would be really uncomfortable on on oh, the bike, on a bike seat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just never thought about it. I ride standing I up. I was a BMXer lovely. as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I never. It is visually lovely just to to go and watch. Yeah, it's like awesome. see a stack of nude people. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like being in Europe. Um, to use a visual metaphor as a segue, what's with the pears? <laughs> so no, well, one. So one of the pieces. Um, is called 
the resting human uterus is the size of a small pear. That's fantastic. And um, resting, resting, as in well, not engaged in like making children making a baby. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, and um, a few years ago, I had an abortion, mm-hmm. and uh, when I was speaking to the nurse before the procedure, and I've. You know when you have these realizations about the gaps in your knowledge. And, oh yeah, all the time. And I've, you know, like I, you, you think you know your body, and you, and I, I, I realized I didn't actually know what, what was going to happen, or what was happening inside of me, and I didn't know yeah, where it, funny. where it really was, and like you know it's there, it's, but. Yeah where it was or what it looks like. And so I, I was like, how big is it? What, what's going to, you know, and she yeah. was talking about the procedure. And so what she said to me was the resting human uterus is the size of a small pear. Oh, wow. And I just loved that so mm. much. Like I just thought it was this beautiful tender image and something that you can relate to it and, visualize and and I, I like I I've, I've just never forgotten that or stopped thinking about mm. it or afterwards I ate a lot of pears <laughs> <laughs> like for months afterwards I'd I'd buy pears and I bought Corella pears as well because they were so beautiful yeah they are so that's um that's what the the pears were so the the piece is so each of each of the sculptures is a glass vessel Mm-hmm. with part of the body engraved on it and then mm-hmm. something else that engages with it. So that piece is um, like a specimen jar, mm-hmm. like a large specimen jar, and it has the uterus and the ovaries engraved on the outside. And Which itself is a, is a beautiful it's, image. It's, it's a wonderful shape. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it has a pear on the inside um, and it uh, is backed by a, a, a pear branch is mounted on the wall because mm. two streets away from my place, there's pear trees all down the street. So uh, late one night, Tom and I went out with the pruning shears and chose some branches. <laughs> found just the right branch. Just the right branch. Mm-hmm. We chopped a few. It was good for them. It's springtime. So pruning is in order. I was not yeah. cool to the trees. So I shortlisted the branches. Um, so there's a pear branch and... Um, some white fabric, which is kind of folded in a similar way that would happen in a still life painting that you know, mm-hmm. celebrated or really um, focused on texture and, you know, beautiful folds of fabric. Yep. Uh, so there's that reference, but also um, when we rest, it's in a bed or and yeah. the, the wrapped in sheets or wrapped in a blanket. So um, there's kind of that visual uh, reference to resting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's what the pears were wow. about. Have you ever engaged with that that visual metaphor before? Or is this the first time um, in, a, in an exhibition? Fir- it's the first time in an exhibition. I I have also you know drawn it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably something that I've drawn and thought about a lot, um, and probably I've sketched a similar work a lot of times, and probably been a lot more elaborate at the times, or a lot more emotional, or a lot mm-hmm. more kind of 
imagery or intent behind it, but it, like it, this, I think, was quite scaled back and just, you know, it doesn't have to have any meaning apart from just a statement of fact. Yeah. It, it can have meaning or it cannot have meaning depending on what you want to see in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to allow that freedom for a viewer to, to look at a work and see it on their own terms. Well, that's funny because that ties right into friend of the show and mutual friend of ours when we were speaking to Tom Davis, mm. <laughs> um, who may have come up a couple of times as a wiring expert and a pruning sneak. Um, he was talking about how the first draft of his circus show left uh, was way too much exposition. And it mm. was, and, and it, the first time he re- wrote it, he thought it was genius and he submitted it and it was brought back to him with, with nose all over it. And then he realized, it took him quite a while to realize that the less he forced the message on people, the better the, the actual work was. Mm. And so it's 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 funny that that same message comes through with how this sculpture turned out. Mm. The fact that you, as you pulled back from what your initial sketches said. Um, yeah. And I, I think because like work, artwork or visual artwork or poetry or music or whatever, mm-hmm. It is more accessible if you make it truly personal so that, that you relate to what you're saying or you're speaking of, you know, your own truth or whatever, mm-hmm. that that gives the work authenticity so people do believe it. But you don't have to overtell it. I mean, you can just mm-hmm. – we respond as intelligent humans, we respond so well to symbols and triggers that you don't – you don't need to say everything. Like we understand and people draw their own conclusions and have their own their own story and their own history that they will relate or not relate and mm-hmm. see or hear something different. And that people read and hear what they need to or what they want to. Absolutely. You know, it's really nice. And uh, I mean, a, a lot like it's most obvious I, to me, at least in comedy, is that the the more of a leap you set up for people and you make them make themselves. Mm. The, the bigger the reward, the bigger the payoff. That yeah. Once people make that connection in their head, that's that's sort of the, the root of the pleasure of, of seeing something yes. or feeling something. And when it's overtold, it's annoying or you think that, you mm. you know, as an audience member you're being patronised or condescended to. Like mm-hmm. you want to be allowed to ha- make that realisation and it's, you know, that's a gift in itself that, you know, you let, you let people understand. Yeah. I mean there's a line about that. There's a really great line in comedy along those lines that says, um, dissecting a joke is like dissecting a frog. It's yet another frog, and so very little is learned, but the specimen dies in the process. Yeah. It's true. If you have been around sort of a 10-year-old who's sussing out their sense of humour and they tell the same, they get a good reaction from a joke and so mm. they tell it, nine times to the same audience and then when people stop laughing they start to explain it and you're like no 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 the essence of the essence of art is leaving a gap mm. people, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so keep it fresh mhm how do you how do you keep it fresh just to leap on that awesome throwaway line that you just dropped there how do i keep um, it fresh do you i mean do you think that I there's a conceptual jokes. link <laughs> is it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not good at. It. I know the last joke I learned, and then that's that. Yeah, I know. I know one joke. Can you tell it? Yeah. Okay, but except everyone I know has heard me tell this joke because it's the only joke I know. And this is the, the perfect place remember. to tell it because there's a. 
All right. So um, a battery mm-hmm. and a pair of jumper leads and a bra walk into a bar and uh, the <laughs> – the battery and the jump leads go and sit down at a table and, and the bra goes up to the counter and she, you know, she says, hello, can I please have three glasses of scotch? Mm-hmm. And the bartender's like, nah, I'm cutting you off. And she's like, dude, what's your problem? And he said, well, you're off your tits and those two look like they're about to start something. <laughs> <laughs> And it's so bad and I love it. <laughs> uh, no, that's genuinely good. It's- that's a good joke. <laughs> that's a good joke. <laughs> I think that's got legs. I think that's yeah, a great one. Look, I'm going to steal that. One. Yeah, please. Yeah. That means I have to clear my previous joke memory, though. Oh, what's your joke? Which is the classic one of a Buddhist monk walks into a pizza bar. Mm. And the guy says, hey, what can I get you? And the Buddhist monk says... Make me one with everything. <laughs> I get tripped up because there's a joke where a guy walks into a bar and he's surprised to see a Buddhist monk behind the counter and he buys a beer with a 20 and then the guy pours in the beer, chucks the 20 in the till and goes to walk off. And the, and the customer says, wait, 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 what about my change? And the Buddhist monk says, all change must come from within. Ah, see, I hear some jokes. No, just the two, and they're related so much that they stuff me up. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you told me that because I'm going to steal it now. That's good. Bra, and you've recorded battery. it, so you oh, can yeah. refer to it. Oh, so handy. You yeah. yeah. You can even probably with your recording editing skills mm-hmm. that you have all of the equipment to do, you can turn it into like your ringtone or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just hear the joke every time because Chris Andrew from Fun Machine. Yeah. I don't know if you were ever around him when there was a period of about three years where every time he got a message, not even a phone call, it started playing. Oh, I've got to know this because I heard it so many times. It was some awesome rap track. Started with like eight bars of just drums and then the guy started rapping and it's like a three minute rap song. <laughs> <sighs> I wish I could remember what it was. I'll have to ask him when he's eventually on the show. But he always insisted on just leaving on the table. Until and so we'd hear the song every time. And if we were out at a bar or something and so there were already a few drinks under the belt, he'd get a message and the beat would start and he'd just sit there grinning. And then as soon as the rapping started, he'd rap word perfectly the whole thing because he'd heard it like 90 times. That's good. Yeah, it was really lovely. I'm too. I, I don't think I could do that. Mm. I don't like having phone noises. Like, I just have my phone to go. Mm-hmm. That's all it does when I get a message. Yeah, that must make you great at the movies. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I can even make it not go. Ooh. See, I've been without a phone for 10 days and it's felt wonderful. Mm. Yeah, just, just so great. It's funny how like when you have it and you touch it all the time and you check it all the time. Then, like, whenever I go away, I stop checking everything. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of the time when you would, like, want to get messages or, like, would want to tell people what you're doing on Facebook. And I'm like, yeah. whatever, I don't care. Yeah. And then when I'm at home, I'm like, I'm bored. And I, like... It's escapism, work, I just, right? It's like, yeah. And, it, like, you know, if I'm at work and I'm, like, you know, doing the thing with the doot-doot-doot-doot, mm-hmm. it's just always, always checking, like, what's yeah. on Instagram? What's on Facebook? For me, Twitter is the thing that sucks me out of my, my work life. I'd love to get involved in politics 
when I'm older and I can just picture all the stuff that I've done till now on social media and I just think the future will belong to the people who were pristine and disconnected. Or the people who don't try to hide it. Like, Ooh, the honest people. Like, because there's nothing wrong with what you've done. So you, <laughs> you've gone. <laughs> In you've, my opinion. You Facebook stalked me. You, you said that with certainty. Does that no, mean but, you've but, gone back through and. No, but it's, it's the fact that I, you know, like and respect you for, oh, yeah. like, your personality and your intelligence. That, you now know. That's my ringtone. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I sometimes um, think similar things. I don't really want to go into politics, but there's a bunch of photos that are like. They're not dirty photos. Mm-mm. I mean, actually, they are, but in the. <laughs> <laughs> Depends who is. Yeah. Like, I was. When, like, the Miley Cyrus thing happened and mm-hmm. there was lots of the furor, and, like, I took a stack of photos of myself in a clown mask with gr- green clay on my face licking tools. Cool. And. You're an artist, so you're allowed <laughs> to make crazy visual statements. That's it great. was really fun. Yeah. But, you know, they're not really politician photos. Or, but, you know, if, if I wanted to hide them, mm. they would come out and it would be controversial. But it's not. Like, they I have was a just great narrative. They have a great sociopolitical <laughs> narrative. That's like, you know, if you're chained to the Tarkin forest or mm. whatever, wearing a green mask and looking at power tool, then, like, more power to you. So you can say, <laughs> look, it was a women's rights thing. It was Miley Cyrus. It was yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um? Is that something that's on the forefront of your mind as an artistic person? Do you engage with politics in your work? I think there's a lot of thought in my work, but it's never overtly message driven. Mm-hmm. So all of my work is environmental, but it's also I try to make work that's beautiful. So mm-hmm. you know, if I'm thinking about you know, loss of biodiversity or like extinct bird species. I, I like, I never, I, well, I'm not saying never, but I, I, to this stage, I've never like made really angry work with or bloody work or chemical driven work, even though like mm-hmm. those are real things and like they're terrible things. I think, um, I, I think I do like to make beautiful work and because I like to, I don't know, maybe honour the the beauty of the subject rather than just focus on the tragedy of the subject. That's a tough line to walk because you do, you get, it's easier to get a, a gut reaction out of the audience if you give them something bloody yeah, or chemical yeah, or tragic or yeah. action-packed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe like, you know, maybe I'm not a brave artist or maybe I like... Also, maybe I don't have a really, really clear thing that I'm trying to say. It's more like this is a thing I'm thinking about or this is an observation that I've made. And so, um, you know, like I don't want to be yelling with an uncertain voice. You know, people Mm -hmm. who like opine on everything, but you can kind of tell there's not a lot of depth of knowledge behind what they're saying. And I I don't want to that person so Mm -hmm. I all like I can only speak from my own perspective and and generally what I'm I'm talking about is something that I love so it's easier to make something that focuses on what I love about it maybe one day I'll be 
driven by hate. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I find it very difficult to, to picture Jessica hate Kelly. <laughs> like Just that's, the hater. Yeah. Yeah. That's really tough to imagine. <laughs> Especially now that you live in a little secluded cottage with apple trees. and Like yeah. you mentioned you had honey in your work. Yeah. Is that because you're an apiarist, right? So was that your own honey? It, it was not my own honey, but only because Ooh. our honey was too dark for what I wanted because so, I wanted really got like light, mm-hmm. golden, um, really just for the light to go through. Yeah. Because everything in the exhibition has light in it. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the, the honey piece, it's like um, it's about the brain and um, intelligence and inspiration. And so there's like... Drawing of a brain, which is also filled with honeycomb. So parts cool. of the brain are just honeycomb rather than grey matter. Mm-hmm. So that's a drawing. And then there's uh, a jar of honey and inside the jar there's a brain that I made with walnuts. Cool. Um, <laughs> that's like It's like the snail cochlear thing. It's like yeah. every, walnuts look like a brain, Yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. Ooh, it is hemispheric awesome. and yeah. they're folded. And the two part, and, like what do you call beautiful. the folds of a brain? The um, they're. Did you do psych? No. I always get that vibe from you that you were a psych person. Oh, I'm just a hack. Yeah. <laughs> you do? Did you do arts? Art. Yeah, I, I did visual art, and then I did art history. Wow, cool. <laughs> wow, you went deep on your subject matter. That's good. Um, I don't know what the bits of the brain are called. There's an awesome word for the foldedness mm. of the surface of the brain. But that's fine. So, drawing of a brain with honeycomb in it, which yeah. has an awesome tie to the fact that uh, Hymenoptera, like all the insect, the bees and wasps have sort of a group intelligence yeah, that mimics like a, a brain. A, a hive of bees is not a, a bunch of individuals. It, it The hive is the individual. and the Like a brain the is a collection of neurons. Up. The neurons exactly. are the individuals. Yeah. yeah. So... There's kind of that, um, you know, like it's symbolism or not symbolism and everyone's free to do whatever they like, but it's that. Oh, go on. <laughs> Just claim it. Okay, so uh, there's there's that element and there's also like even just, you know, the the pun of hive mind or. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, and, and the sweetness of thought and of inspiration and... Mm-hmm. Um, and and the visual connection between the mm. nuts and the the brain and and the varying uh, for those of us who are occasionally slow of thought, I like the idea of honey rather than say water or wine because <laughs> it's just got that little bit of resistance to it. It's like yeah. sometimes it just comes right off the spoon and sometimes it's like come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Did you try with your own honey first and it was too dark? Yeah, yeah. I um. As well as buying lots of pears, mm. I bought lots of honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd go into shops and like hold the jars of honey, and like our cupboard is full of honey now because I kept That's bringing great. home like shortlisted colours. Because <laughs> <laughs> yep. I couldn't. Because I could you list them? Um, no, not off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Because there's like yellow box. Yellow box is delicious. Mm-hmm. It's often it's not yellow box that I use because that's often a really nice. Yellowy color. Mm. What did I end up using? And there's Monica, which like ten really percent of it is is antibiotic, and so it's marketed as antibiotic, but really it isn't mm. most of the time. I mean, honey is great. Like it's yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, 
Do you know what kind of honey? You wouldn't know what kind of honey your own honey is. Isn't that ironic? Well, it's, it would be a really big mix of things because mm. like next to the beehive at Bird, there's, um, there is a locut tree. Uh, oh, and the bees, I would say loquat. Loquat. There's the loquat. <laughs> we had the best loquat tree in all of Christendom. Mm. Maybe, yeah, like in all of Northcote, definitely, because I mm. walk past and I see other people's like pissy little loquats and then ours are like plums. <laughs> um, <Yep. laughs> um, so the bees love that and that has like, in when it flowers in October, it's just, no, earlier than that, it actually flowers in the winter and then kind of starts mm. fruiting in October. And it's just covered, and the bees love it. Mm-hmm. But we also, it's Mary Creek is pretty close by, so there's eucalypts. Yep. I mean, there's such a variety of gardens and you different things. Sort of call it like Brunswick honey or Mary Creek honey. Northcote honey, I'd say. Honey. Oh, because you moved, of course. Well, no, no, because the the where the beehive. Oh, so the beehive is currently still in the Northcote house, mm. but. We are going to split the swarm. Whoa, is that tough? Well, we've never done it. But <laughs> how do you? Who gets the queen? Is well, it like you, know, you, you split? Two, I you, choose. No, no. You, well, you need a new. We both get a new queen. So, in the spring, mm-hmm. last spring, yep. we had like crazy stray, straying, swarming bee problems because there was way too many bees for the hive. Because you only had a little tiny backyard hive that was like in a set box. It couldn't get any bigger. Yeah. They're in for expansion. Yeah. And they, you know, kept breeding new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to prevent overcrowding, the swarm split itself and then sent like a lot of bees around the neighborhood. And we had to do a lot of apologizing to our neighbors. And um, they had bred themselves a new queen. So one queen stayed and one queen left and took half of the swarm. Mm -hmm. And we found it and gave it to one of the local bee men. His name's Benedict and he's a hero. Benedict the bee man. Benedict the bee man. He's totally cool. He lent us his honey extractor a couple of months ago and he also Mm -hmm. got our bees when they were straying. So this spring we're going to jump the gun on them and split them ourselves and then I will have half of the bees at Preston and Atlanta will have half of the bees in Northgate. Oh, cool. And we'll just expand our honey empire. Which sounds lovely. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. And then but when I do you have get another queen? I don't, like, oh, so, it... like, we will buy a new queen from Robert the Bee Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has a bee shop on Ligon Street. Bob the Bee Man. And Robert. Benedict the Bee Man. Robert. Oh, is he really Robert. a Robert? His name's oh, Robert. Oh, but not even Bert. Oh, because Bert's bees. <laughs> That's already a famous thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, Robert will sell us two new queens and we'll mm-hmm. split them. Um, but the bees make their own queen by feeding just a regular bee larvae royal jelly. That's what makes so a queen. you can do that. I reckon bee queen breeders, that's what they do. They just have some, like royal jelly and a little syringe and yeah. they're like, hey, guys. Yeah. Hey, Ooh. princess. They make Imagine a if, queen. Oh, that would be the greatest industry of all if we found the royal jelly that turned humans into like superhumans. <laughs> And you could just like, right? You'd be marketing yeah. it. Everyone would want it. I guess that's the whole premise of Dune. Yeah. Frank Herbert's, yeah. Yeah. That pretty much is the premise of Dune, turning mm. people into queen bees. So when you look forward, do you see more, Do you, are you already thinking about, oh, I guess you have cicada-like <laughs> art projects right now that are sitting deep in your subconscious. Do you flag them? Do you know what's coming up? 
I do. But now that you've asked me, I can't think of anything. So it's like, what's your favourite movie? (laughs) Yeah, Um, it just kills your brain immediately. (laughs) It just short circuits you. Yeah. If I'm ever attacked by a ninja (laughs) and he's coming at me and I have like two seconds, I'm going to be like, what's your favourite movie? (laughs) (laughs) And be like, oh, oh, man, I don't know. And then you can escape. Yeah. (laughs) I reiterate my question. Will you be invited to do another thing or do you go searching for another thing now or do you just make stuff for your own benefit? Like, what's your next... Um, Where do you go from here? Does it feel weird to not have something to do every single moment of every day um, when you get home from work and freaking out about getting it I done? I could probably clean the house. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Because there's just like wires and paper. Pears. And pear- <laughs> I've eaten so many pears. 90 kinds of honey. And- yeah, Wait, I just go honey, home and eat pears, honey and pears. Honey, and pears, walnuts. It's delicious. Like Wiring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and um, wine. One of the pieces has wine in it. White or red? White. And it's like a Grigio? golden. No, it's um, a musket flora. It's a sweet wine. Oh, so it's got the thickness that you need mm, to really refract the light. It's Botrytis. And because it's it's a piece that's about love. And so mm. it's... Um, it's intoxicating. And it's, it's sweet and it it's golden and... You have it after dinner. Yeah. Any old time. Well, when it's <laughs> a sweet thick line, yeah. Yeah. So maybe you could uh, get sponsored. Well, What do you think yeah. about it? Yeah, definitely. Is I- it pricey? <laughs> Is it pricey buying heaps of pears and walnuts and honey and stuff? Um, well, as far as like fancy art materials go, I oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> compared to like oil paints. Yeah, and- like I actually don't really use expensive materials, partly because I'm broke, um, mm-hmm. but also I think. And, you know, I have nothing against expensive materials and yeah. they're nice to use, but it's like... Look at Damien Hurst. I mean, he's been he's kicking out of the park with his golden <sighs> oh, dip skulls. Let's not look at Damien Hurst. All right, deal. He's a douchebag. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's good. you got to have some fervent... Maybe that's your hate well, exhibition. No, I mean, I think occasionally he does something that I think is really cool, but most of the time I think he's a tool. What about that giant stuffed shark? But it's, it's also just like <laughs> he doesn't even make his own work. He like <laughs> has studio assistants that he pays minimum wage and then sells the work for millions of dollars. You're an art historian. How many artists who are successful make their own work? Plenty. Plenty before like a certain 47, point? 47,000. I don't know how many. But, but like proportionally, like, I mean like did Salvador Dali always make his own work? Or Keith Haring. I'm not... It was big murals and... I think, well, you know, people will have assistants. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like the masters, you know, like the old masters of the painting would have, like, their students would do some of it. But, like, I think the fact that Damien Hirst is immensely wealthy... Mm-hmm. I didn't actually wait. I was talking about this with someone the other day. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe, like, you know, Damien Hirst is a phenomenon and you're, you're paying mm-hmm. the price for, like... The Damien Hirst experience. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he is notorious for being a prick. Um, <laughs> okay. So, and, his personality, and for, yeah. And But Ford, you know, having uh, studio assistants who are aspiring artists yep. who he pays minimum wage mm. to, you know, colour in circles to his instruction or glue butterfly wings to his instructions. Yeah. They don't get any credit for, you know, he doesn't... Um, acknowledge his assistance. It's is just it like that's a po- Damien Hirst work. And then he sells it for millions of dollars. Can it money aside, can it go in his portfolio can it go in their portfolio or can they say, you know, do they have the credit of having worked with but Damien Hirst? 
Like an intern? I mean, every organization in the world is doing interns, let alone mm. like judges associates. But then what? Or- like, you know, it's it's not their work. Mm-hmm. What? It's not like you're going to get employed as an artist by another artist for working for different artists. And, you know, by comparison, Ai Weiwei, who I love. Wonderful, wonderful man. Paid for a whole town to make porcelain seeds. Exactly. To keep them in business. So he, you know, he also employs other people to make the components of his work, but is incredibly humanitarian and pays social and wage. political and, and pays yeah. them. And it, and it's like he he has the best interest of people and his countrymen and other artists and humanity <laughs> at heart. And Damien Hurst is a tool. Okay, so you're <laughs> <laughs> so obviously your obviously your personal obviously your personal leanings line up more with Ai Weiwei than Damien Hurst. Yeah. But as artists mm. Ai Weiwei is creating something communitarian and revelatory and and uh hu- not humanitarian but what humanist mm. and as a, and and he he takes those ethical messages that he's trying to send and he embodies them in the art. He pays the people a living wage and he gives them credit and he makes them part of the artwork. Or he videotapes himself uh, and and destroys his own privacy so that he shares his lack of privacy with everybody in China, that kind of thing. Like mm. that's his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's his message and he embodies it so well that he's one of the greatest artists of the 21st century. Mm. Yes. Damien Hirst. <laughs> Re- creates art that reflects on the predatory, wasteful nature of capitalism by dipping a skull in gold and covering it in 10 million diamonds or by stuffing a giant shark, which as everybody knows is the classic, like CEOs fill their offices with sharks mm. and putting it in the middle of a thing. And to make his artwork, which reflects the horrible excesses of capitalism, he fruitlessly employs unrecognized slave workers <laughs> And then, unlike Ai Weiwei, makes himself a millionaire mm. and a celebrity, mm. whether or not he deserves it. So, is either a greater artist? They're both they're both nailing what they're trying to well, do yeah. from the ground and up. Th- and that's, I think you make a really fantastic point. And I think that's because the other day I was like ranting about Damien Hurst or someone. And then I was like, no, wait, you know, whatever, like... Maybe he's just a performance artist and it's all like, and look, he's doing a great job of being a tool and making millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, so- like all time, one of the all time greats. Yeah. Yep. And, so, <laughs> you know, good on him. Good on him. Mm-hmm. He's being himself. Yeah. Yeah. Just like his mother made him. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, is, is there performance in your art? Are you, do you, does your art reflect your lifestyle like theirs does? Maybe. Not in a, not really in a performative way. I think this show is probably the actually this show is the most personal, intimately personal work. Like biographical. Um, it's not linearly biographical, but it the the pieces in it are totally relate to me and you know my experience of being alive and mm-hmm. of of personal life. And I, I think generally, like, my work t- previous to now has been more outward-focused and, you know, environment-driven or... Um, so it's kind of a, a larger picture of what I'm observing rather than what I'm experiencing. Mm. And that's what... what so I, I guess, yes, this work is also 
biographical or performative because it's about my feelings and my experience. Yeah. And you'll be there being your charming self at the gallery for <laughs> at least part of it, certainly on your birthday. Yeah, on my birthday I will be. So wow. there's because there's four exhibitions on, we have a great like roster of sitting in the gallery. I'm only, I only have to do it twice. Wow, cool. Yeah. Just so happens. Mm. One of the times on your birthday. Yeah, one of the times on my birthday, next Thursday. So not if anybody... Tomorrow. Not two days from now, but like no. seven days. Well, look, this podcast will now. come out on Monday of that week, so there's a chance that at least some of totally. our listeners will have an opportunity yeah, well, the to gallery. clean their calendar. <laughs> come in on Thursday, bring Jess a gift. Yeah, or a coffee. Like, let's see how many coffees I could drink in oh, one day. Yeah. How many do you reckon you could do before you had to start turning them down? Um, if I had a good breakfast in me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which on your birthday one hopes you have. Yeah. Oh, loads. I can drink heaps of coffee. <laughs> yep. Um, but the gallery on Thursday and Friday is open from 2 to 6. Mm-hmm. And on Saturday and Sunday, it's open from 12 to 5. 2 to 6 on weekdays? Just Thursday and Friday. Oh, so it's it's like tough afternoon. to get out there. Tough to get in after work for those of us who are 9 to 5. Yeah, yeah so but it's we can make it on the weekend. All right. Yeah, and then it's open yep. on the weekend. Well, I'll have to make it on the weekend. Yeah, make it on the weekend. And it's on Little Breeze Street. Little Breeze. There was a fantastic uh, Hungarian mathematician who collaborated with everyone all over the place. Mm. And, you know, when you need to rattle off his name, you can't. Uh, But he had a famous quote that said that mathematicians are machines for turning coffee into theorems. (laughs) Do you reckon coffee is central to your late night crazy productivity? No, it's wine. All right. That's great. <laughs> Daytime yep. coffee. Uh-huh. Nighttime wine. Do you have a preference? Is it the wine that's in the jar? No. I. It's more red. Mm-hmm. Because you know chocolate. when we're consuming red a lot of sugar. chocolate. Combination mm. to die for. Yeah. I like orange chocolate. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. What is that one like ick? Um, it's in like the cardboardy packet. And they, it's thin. Yeah, and it's super fancy. It comes from some tiny country where they pay everyone really well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you it's eat it, And then you make your art. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's definitely in the Iway. We could set up a scale with Ai Weiwei at one end. Yeah. Damien Hurst Damien at the other. Hurst. Yeah, the Hurst Weiwei scale. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely way down the Weiwei end. Way, way down the Weiwei end. Way, way down the Weiwei end. So, how long is the exhibition on for? It's on until the end of the month. Mm hmm. So, the 30th, end of August. The end of August. Cool. Yeah, so the 31st mm-hmm. uh, is the last day. Then what? Can we can we come to your house and see them? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? What happens? Do you sell them all? Do you... uh, these are not for sale. Um, Too intensely personal? Um, probably because I would like to show them again. And I think cool. there's like other work in a similar vein that I would like to make. Like, you know, I only made four. Like there's a lot like... The adrenal gland. Could you I could make work about the adrenal yeah. gland. Or the hippocampus. Yeah. Yep. Or like the liver and the eye. Yeah. What like about, I didn't have time to make one about the what eye. What about the tarsals and metatarsals? Teeth. Yeah, teeth. Identity. Isn't yeah. it interesting that teeth can be tied to identity? Yeah. I was watching a thing about mobsters and they were saying all the people that they killed, they pulled all their teeth. Yeah. Right? So, like, you think of the eyes as the window of the soul, but to criminologists. Mm. <laughs> can you hear that? Yeah. Cool. Um, so there's that. So have you got a little to be continued somewhere, hidden somewhere <laughs> among the artworks? If not, you can take that. You don't need to, my. Yeah. You don't need to credit me. I'm I'll happy just, to I'm just gonna that go one. In. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go in um, with like three 
black round stickers or three white round stickers and just stick them somewhere like an ellipsis. See, mm. visual metaphors. I'm a words guy. You're a visual gal. Um, Although you are a word lover and I do notice <laughs> that. Hence slinky plinth. Yeah. Hence way, way, way down the end of the way, way scale. Yeah. Yeah. You do crosswords and stuff, don't you? A little bit. Cryptics and stuff. I'm only good at cryptics in a team. Oh, yeah, cool. It's like when me and Tom catch a plane, like Mm -hmm. we do a cryptic crossword and we like, we'd never finish it individually, but we finish it together. Oh, that's lovely. Like your, like your artwork with the wiring and stuff. Yeah. Tom sold me some lights. Oh, man. Um, You guys, what a wonderful creative partnership. It's really nice. Do you help him with his circus? Um, with like talking about ideas, not so much mm. with the handstands and juggling. I can't juggle. He was by his own narrative mm. laying with his head on your stomach when he came up with the key thing that twigged him off to left and mm. he ran off and wrote the whole thing. So it's true. it could have come from your um, small pear resting <laughs> right well, next to his ear. Yeah. My, all of the things, the viscera, doing yeah. visceral things. Mm. I do love that sound. <laughs> I do. I love to lay there on somebody's stomach, and yeah, it's great. Um. So no, the work is not for sale. It will probably be in a box for a little while. Um. Although, when like in the lead up to this, like when a piece was finished, like the the love piece was just in the pantry because it was like a dark, safe place for it to go. <laughs> yep. Um, Store it in a cool, dry place. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have some negotiations going on with Maribyrnong Council at the moment. Um, they've, uh, we're kind, they've kind of commissioned. We're negotiating a work for them. A few months ago, Maribyrnong Council started an initiative called Streetworks. Streetworks. Where they did a call out for... Um, expressions of interest or tender for public art around mm-hmm. Footscray and Yarraville Seddon area to discourage um, vandalism graffiti, um, but not graffiti in general. Um, yeah. And so one, I, I put in a proposal um, which they have liked the idea of, but we've just had a few hiccups along the way about sites for it and things mm. like that. So um, I have a meeting with them on Thursday to talk about where it will go. Oh, lovely. So that's kind of my next thing. So keep your eyes out in the streets of Seddon. Mm, actually in Footscray. I think it's going oh, to be in cool. Footscray. Potentially near the library, but I don't know. Wow, I can't <laughs> wait to find out about that. When we do find out, we'll put it on the Facebook group and tell everyone. And, yeah. Unless it's a secret. Well, it's going to be, it's it's the part of the work that was in the show last year, the trees, the oh, lamp great. trees. Mm-hmm. Um the photosynthesis work. Mm. Yeah, so it will be that mm. or some of that on a wall somewhere. Wonderful. In Footscray. That's wow. the next thing that I'm doing. I look forward to hunting that down. Yeah. Are you already thinking about the next? You are. You're yeah. Already <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I've, but probably a little bit of sleeping time. And also Tom's show is in the fringe and we kind of, you know, fluctuate one being more busy than the other and the other one kind of being Kinder. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely, and, supporting know, each so other. So I probably have a few dinners to make. And, yeah. Um, Back rubs to give. Yeah, rehearsal schedules to help mm-hmm. write and things like that. Lobes to edit. Yeah, yeah, to make sure mm. that the A is in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. 
I'm really glad you came in to talk to me. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thank um, you for having me. And I encourage people to get down to Still Life on Little Breeze Street off, off Sydney Road. And we're all looking forward to Footscray. And thank we're all going to go left because just to read the pamphlets that you've helped edit. Yeah. And so forth. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there's going to be in a Spiegel tent, which is pretty exciting because that's cool. theatre in the round. Yeah. And uh, we went in the other day and measured because they were building the Spiegel at Circus Oz mm-hmm. and the stage is tiny. So, like, the show is going to be in the laps of the front right row. Right in your like, face. It's amazing. Wow, cool. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, that's the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, let us know what you thought on Facebook. We put up extra stuff like links to the artist's art and the musician's music, as well as info about upcoming shows and other stuff you might like. It's all at facebook.com slash river. And if you like this show, there's a really good chance that you'll enjoy our show with Tom Davis as well. So have a look at that one on the website or on iTunes. Um, best of luck in the coming change of seasons. It's not long now, and maybe it's already happened. And I'll see you at some Velvet Morning for the next live show. Gotcha. I would love to enter a pact with you, but bear in mind that I've entered this pact. Oh, with also. how many people? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on about four. That sounds so good. Oh, no. Please don't find me. Well, no, I'm that's... your boss. You know, I can't blink. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can roll my R's and I can like do it on my teeth and my tongue. Mm. But that's a very childlike way of looking at it. Because if I did it, like my girlfriend would be much happier <laughs> and my bandmates would be much happier. I'm basically a selfish jerk. Like, the, like inside your mouth. Oh, my peas. Mum paid yeah. for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Now I'm the last loser. Yeah. On the tip of your teeth. Shout out to all our surgeons <laughs> in the audience. Yeah. They, yeah. That's the same tongue movement, but colliding with a different part of your mouth. Yeah. Get some fence palings and electric drill. Build a tiny fence. Yeah. Wait, yeah. what was that noise? <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I can, um, just, I can just cut and paste that previous one. You yeah, made. yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. Just do yeah, that. that's my yeah, ringtone. It's, it's hard to repeat, Jane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's not any one concrete thing on the horizon, mm. but Seeds. Lots of seeds. Lots of little cicadas. Yeah, lots beneath of cicadas. Mm. We'll start shrieking come the summertime. A year and a half later, I was like, I want to start a podcast and I have everything I need. That's awesome. That blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> right down the mic, too. That's going to yeah. sound awesome. <laughs> <laughs>